0: Welcome to You Need a Coach, Bitch. I'm your host, Chris Hale. I'm a certified life coach and coach instructor. I'm also a master dance educator and self proclaimed Xaniel Pop Diva. Every week, I bring you a conversation to help you harness your inner authority by popping the patriarchy and crafting the life of your dreams. Are you ready to unleash your inner creator? Let's go. Hi, Barbies. (laughs) How is everybody? I hope you're doing great today. And yes, from now on, we are all Barbie. We are all fucking Barbie. How have you been? Have you seen the Barbie movie yet? Did America Ferreira make you cry? It was so good. And Barbie and I go way back. I honestly don't remember my first Barbie. I think it was Tropical Barbie. And I was thinking about this. (laughs) And it made me go down this entire rabbit hole, and I started looking for Barbies on Etsy and eBay, and I realized how many Barbies I actually had. So in addition to Tropical Barbie, which I think was my OG, she came out in 1985, I was four, I continued the beach vibe with Island Fun Barbie and Hawaiian Fun Barbie. Yes, they were different. I also had Rollerblade Barbie and Totally Hair Barbie, which apparently... Totally Hair Barbie was like the biggest selling Barbie ever. Who knew? I probably cut her hair off at some point because I used to cut my doll's hair because I totally thought I was going to be a hairstylist. Um, I had Barbie and the Sensations Barbie and a few of her friends. I always wanted Barbie and the Rockers Barbie, but it was like I already had Barbie and the Sensations Barbie. It's like, how many Barbie girl groups do you need? Anyway, these are just like some of the ones that I can remember, like from the top of my head slash what I was seeing being sold on Etsy. I actually forgot I had Rollerblade Barbie and I was like, oh my God, forgot about her. Also, I have in my basement Barbie as Scarlett O'Hara and Barbie as Eliza Doolittle. Little known fact about me, Gone with the Wind was actually my favorite movie when I was like 13. So like psychoanalyze that if you like. And I totally had a Barbie Ferrari, which was so hot. My review of the Barbie movie is that it is like 10 out of 10, 10, 10,000 stars. And I actually cannot wait to see it again. I was so curious how they were going to do it. And I just have to say it was literally perfect. So if you haven't seen it yet, even if you were not a Barbie girl growing up, I think you should see it because they do a really good job of telling this story. And I think it's just relevant to all of us and where we're at right now. Other than that, there's nothing really much else going on for me. I'm still on the stratera. It's going good so far. Um, it looks like we're going to have a crazy heat wave for the next couple of days. So I will be spending lots of time in the pool and or freezing my ass off in my house in the air conditioning. Something fun for all of you. If you're interested, if you have been wanting to work with me, but you haven't wanted to commit to a longer time period, I am opening up some spots for my six-week sprint hit it and get it to get you ready for quarter four. I only do this a couple of times a year. So if you want in, this is the time. If you have a creative goal and you've been struggling with it, or if you've been struggling to even think of yourself as a creative, as we talked about last week, or you're feeling creatively blocked, this is the perfect container for you right now. Email me at chris at chrishale.com to claim your spot. So today I want to talk about something that a lot of people, even a lot of coaches, are confused about. And that is the basic premise of the kind of coaching that I do. And that is that all things are neutral until we assign meaning to them. Now, this is not a new idea, folks. (laughs) A lot of philosophers hold some version of this idea. Epictetus said... Um, what really frightens and dismays us is not external events themselves, but the way in which we think about them. It is not things that disturb us, but our interpretation of their significance. Same idea, right? It's not the thing, it's your thoughts. Shakespeare later posits the same idea through Hamlet when he wrote, there is nothing either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. And moral nihilism says that nothing is right or wrong. So with that logic, murder is not wrong, but it's also not right. It's just a thing that sometimes people do, and then it gets assigned meaning when we have a thought about it. Oftentimes, you and I want to have thoughts about it that make it bad, but that's our choice. There are also times when people choose thoughts where they're happy about it. Do with that what you will. This is all to say that this idea has been around for a minute. And the thing I think people get wrong, whether they're hearing this from a friend, a coach, a colleague, a therapist, or they're trying to use this idea in a coaching session themselves, is that in saying something is neutral, right, that the thing has no meaning, I think they think we're saying that we should feel neutral about it. And I want you to notice the should there. Nothing good comes after the word should. And I've noticed people getting big mad recently about this idea of the neutrality of circumstance. One reason I think that they're getting mad is because for whatever reason, they don't want to believe that there is no inherent meaning to things. I think this dates back to all of our religiosity, right? And the way we've been indoctrinated about good and evil and all of that. I think that is very ingrained in us. And somewhere we just believe that that is true and we can't escape it. But I think the other thing is, is that if nothing has inherent meaning, then it's possible that the meaning I give it is wrong, And if you, like most girls, theys, and gays, have been raised to question the validity of your experience and your interpretation of your experience, then you may be likely to question yourself even more or believe that you should be feeling a different way than you are. So I do think that some pushback makes sense against this idea of neutrality, especially in our current climate. But anytime we believe that we should, again, that word, feeling differently than we are, we're resisting. We're in resistance to our emotional experience. And here's the thing. Our emotional experience, our feelings, they are also neither good or bad. Said another way, they are neutral. Meaning we get to decide what we want to think about them, right? So said a different way. Our emotions are just facts. When we feel something, it's just data. We can look at it that way. We just have emotions. Those emotions are caused by a series of conscious and unconscious mechanisms. And once they're being experienced, all they are is a group of sensations in our body that we get to make meaning out of. And when we're having an emotional experience that feels uncomfortable in our body... We don't like that, right? So we want to decide that that's bad. It's just a neutral. But we don't experience it as neutral because of that whole mechanism. Once a feeling is happening and then our brain starts to like decide why we're having that feeling, once it's put enough context clues together for why that feeling exists, then it decides whether it's good or bad. And I think I've talked about this before in another episode, So maybe go find that. (laughs) I can't even remember which episode it was. It might have been the one where happiness is not the goal. I think I talked a lot about that in that episode. So I would say that, yes, circumstances, events, objects, other people's words, other people are in fact neutral. But our experience of them is not And we can also change how we experience things if we choose to do so by bringing awareness to our thoughts and feelings and challenging them. But I want to go back for a second and I want to ask if you are someone that wants to believe that things have inherent meaning, why do you want to believe that? Now, in your mind, you're probably just thinking because it's true. But like, why is it true? Who told you that? Where did it come from? And nothing is just true. It could be true for you because you' like you have an intense emotional experience around it. And anytime we have an intense emotional experience, we think that something's true. But things are either factual or they are not. So why is it so important for you to believe that things have inherent meaning? I just want you to sit with that for a second. Even if you um, don't believe that, I actually want you to ponder that question. Why might it be important for someone to believe that things have inherent meaning? I've already given you a couple of reasons why I think that is, but think of some for yourself. And then I want you to consider what benefit you get from believing that something is inherently good or bad. How does that benefit you? So here's an example. I often think about this in regard to conservatives and TERFs when it comes to gender. Why do they want to believe that gender is determined by genitals? What benefit do they get by believing that? How is their life made better by believing that? I honestly would argue that the quality of their life is worse because because they're pretty bent out of shape by transness. Like, they just can't abide it. The only thing I can come up with is that they enjoy the experience of their, like, quote-unquote negative emotions. That feels good for them in some way for some reason. And listen, I can understand that. Sometimes I like my negative emotions. I was actually just talking to a client the other day about how she wants to learn to feel her anger more and use that energy to go out in the world and create stuff. I've talked about this before in terms of when we want to do our advocacy work in the world. We might want to be driven by anger. You get to choose that. I also want to offer that even this premise that I hold is not necessarily true, but I do find it useful because it helps me decide what kind of thoughts I want to be practicing. And so I decide to believe it's true, and I have other facts and thoughts to pull from that make it make sense for me. I don't really feel like I have any evidence that things we experience as humans have inherent meaning. Because if they did, then we would all have the same thoughts about them all the time. And I always use death as an example because lots of people will argue that death is always sad or bad. But y'all, we're all going to die. So how can it be a bad thing that we're going to die? It's going to happen to all of us. If you're saying it's a bad thing, that's almost saying that it shouldn't be happening. But we all know that it should be happening because it's going to happen to everyone. And... We all feel lots of different things about death. Sometimes we feel a sense of relief if someone has been in a lot of pain. Sometimes we do feel neutral about it because we hear about a death of someone we have no connection to. And while we might intellectually and conceptually think that it's sad, we might not actually experience sadness in our bodies. I think I've talked about before the idea of conceptualizing emotion versus feeling emotion. If I haven't, maybe I should do an episode on that. Hmm, there's a topic. But anyway, we might even have different thoughts about our own death than we do about others. Right? Like we might be afraid of our own death, but like not think much about someone else dying. I don't know. See what I mean? It's just there are no universal thoughts about death that happen every time someone dies in every circumstance. And if someone you love dies you're not going to feel bad about it until you find out about it. So if a week goes by and you didn't know, you're not walking around that week feeling bad about their death. But once you do hear about it, then the thoughts that you have about that circumstance are going to create a feeling. Another example is the whole, if a tree falls in the woods and there's no one there to hear it, does it make a sound, right? So, well, scientifically speaking, yes, it emits sound waves, at a particular frequency, but there's no one there to describe that sound from an experiential perspective. It cannot be categorized as loud, or ripping, or crushing, or any other descriptor. All descriptions are opinions. They're just thoughts we make up based entirely on our human experience. And even if it was recorded, right, that would still be something hearing the sound. The recording device is picking up those sound waves. So they're being heard in a way. And then you listen back to it. Now you're having a human experience of it. Even if we only looked at like, like something that measures the sound waves, right? Those little sound bars. We still couldn't say that it's loud definitively. We could describe the little squiggle or we can compare that little squiggle to other sound waves and say that it's louder or quieter compared to those other sound waves, but see how loud is subjective, right? So if you're a hearing person, you and I will not have the same experience of that sound. And if you're not a hearing person, there's actually a possibility that that loud noise hits differently in a way that is more jarring. I was reading something that said that those with hearing loss may actually experience loud noises as more startling I can't remember exactly what it was saying. Google that if you want, you have the internet. But that's really interesting to me, right? Because I would assume that maybe if someone was could not hear, that they would not experience loud noise as aggressively, right? But it turns out that maybe some do. So why am I even talking about this today when I've talked about like similar things in the past? Well, it's because I know That for some, the idea that things are neutral seems harsh and dismissive. And I've been hearing it a lot, not just from, like, new coaches, but also from established coaches. And here's the thing. If you're a coach, you need to believe the basic premise that you're coaching on. So if you're using this premise and you don't actually believe it, then you need to stop using it. Because you're probably doing more harm than good because it's going against what you actually believe. Which means you're not going to be able to get to that neutral place in yourself to hold space for someone else. And if it's done properly, I think it's a path to greater understanding and empathy. So instead of it being like dismissive, I think it's actually like more loving, but not if you're not agreeing with it. So as a coach, I suspend all of my beliefs and I'm open to hearing my client without just taking everything they say about their experience at face value. This allows me to drop into deep curiosity. I often tell my students, don't believe your client's story. That does not mean that I think that they are lying or that they don't understand their own experience. It means I'm holding a space for them to be able to question their story When I do this, I'm able to ask them questions that not only deepen my understanding, but it also helps unlock their minds. As they talk it through to explain it to me, they often start to see where some of their thoughts are not congruent with what they actually believe. They're just having like an automatic negative thought about something and then acting from that place. But when they stop to look at it, they're like, wait, I don't even really like that's not true for me. I don't know why I'm acting from this place. Or I get the reaction of I didn't even know that was in there. And when we get curious about that and I ask them like, well, do you think that this thought is impacting you in any way? Or like, have you had this thought about anything else? A lot of times it's just a no. It's just like this rando thought that came up, but like it's not really impacting anything. So we just move on. So we don't even have to take every thought that comes up seriously. We don't have to explore every thought. And very often, people will want to keep their current story, even if it doesn't feel good, because they're willing to feel all of their feelings, especially the big ones. I actually have a client that is so committed to feeling that she is very successful in all areas of her life. Or very satisfied in all areas of her life because she's living in alignment with her values. So like we met the other day and she was having big feelings about some family stuff. And we landed on her wanting to be angry and hurt because she wanted to process through that hurt. So that on the other side, she can decide what kind of relationship she wants to have with her family So, she's keeping the story for now and keeping those feelings for now, not so she can act out against her family, but so that she can actually come to a better place with them, even if that means she doesn't spend as much time with them. This is the beauty of accepting that things are neutral until we give them meaning. We are deciding the meaning. Most of the time, we're assigning the meaning unconsciously. So, we get to bring our awareness. To that which we have decided unconsciously, then make it conscious, and then make conscious what we want to choose to believe that feels good for us. And when I say feels good, I don't mean is good. I don't mean feels happy, right? I mean that we like the way that we're feeling, that we're choosing it actively, whether that feels negative or positive as a vibration in our body. And this is very empowering. So if we go back to the sound example right? As I'm on this journey of understanding my neurodivergence and unmasking, I'm becoming more and more aware of my sensory issues. I'm very impacted by sound. And I'm learning to own that and own that like what is loud for me might not be loud for someone else, but that I can advocate for that. I can remove myself from situations that are overstimulating or too loud. And I don't have to be right about that for everyone. I just have to be right about it for me. So if you've been struggling with this concept that all things are neutral, I invite you to consider what things might you be able to decide are true for you when they don't have to be true for anyone else. And see if it feels better to accept that premise into your life, knowing that there are going to be times when you feel some kind of way and you act from that feeling And later you'll look back on it and maybe feel bad about the way you acted and behaved. That's okay. We're not trying to do away with that. We're not trying to be perfect. That's another reason why I think people want to believe that things are either inherently good or bad. Because if something's bad or negative and then I act out against it, well, then it's okay that I did that. And I just want to offer that it's okay that you did it regardless. Sometimes you're going to act badly. Sometimes you're going to act out of alignment with your values. That's neither good nor bad. All right, friends. Have the most amazing weekend. Go see Barbie. Come on, Barbie. Let's go party. Ah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Bye. If you are loving the podcast, it's time to put a ring on it. It would mean the world to me if you would do one or all of these things. First off, subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts or all the places podcasts are available if you want to be extra. While you're there, giving a five-star rating and leaving a review would be epic. And lastly, spreading the love by sharing your favorite episode would be beyond. Thanks, love. We'll talk soon.